Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello folks, Ralph Ferry. Welcome back to the Selling Soul Podcast. I'm Andrew Millen, and today on the show I'll be speaking to Steve Han, South Korean journalist, and he'll be giving us the lowdown on our new signings, and also maybe giving us an insight into, oh, and general South Korean football. It's been a, another sad week for Irish music. Last week we had the sad passing of Sinead O'Connor after we paid tribute to Christy Dignam on the last podcast, the lead singer of Asen. Sinead will be sorely missed by anybody who's into, into Irish music. You know, she leaves a catalogue of wonderful music behind and many memories of gigs, uh, a troubled soul at times and uh, controversial. But when she broke onto the scene back, back in the 80s, beautiful skinhead, Dr. Martin's attitude. As teenagers, we, we all look towards her and our musical career has been amazing. Some great duets as well, including Mum Shame again. So Sinead, you'll be sadly missed. R.O.P. Kid. I just want to thank everyone who's been tuning into the podcast. Uh, it's available across all platforms. And if you're tuning in for the first time, folks, and you're tuning in on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, smash the alarm button, and you'll never miss an episode. Give us the thumbs up. And also, uh, leave a comment, please. Let, let us know what you think or what, what we're doing wrong or if we're doing, doing anything good, let us know. We, we'd love, we'd love to hear. Folks, we put nothing behind a paywall. So if you'd like to support us, you can do so by visiting CelticFanzine.com where you can uh, subscribe, buy a fanzine, buy a t-shirt or donate for the price of a pint. And if you're a Celtic-minded business and you would like to sponsor an episode uh, and we'd love to have you on board, we have some great sponsors on board. So just drop us an email, info at CelticFanzine.com and you can also contact us by private messages on social media. You'll find us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook. So thanks very much to all our sponsors for the continued support. And without further ado, let's get Steve on the show. Hello, Steve. You're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. Uh, firstly, welcome. And um, it's your first time on the podcast. We've just signed a couple of players from South Korea. 
Could you just give us a little introduction for the listeners and the viewers into yourself? Hi, Andrew. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me here, first of all. Yeah, it's really, really nice to be here. Uh, just to introduce myself a little bit, my name is Steve Han. Uh, I'm a South Korean football journalist. Uh, I've been with Goal uh, for about 15 years until last year. Uh, that was my that was my home, I guess. Uh, but I left Goal to join uh, uh, a football editorial agency, uh, Ganasa, who worked very closely with, uh, with, with, with Celtic as well. We have multiple clients across, across Europe and the world as well. Um, so we work with Celtic. We work with Manchester City. We work with, uh, Borussia Dortmund. We also work with FIFA. So I've been, I've been producing contents for, for a very prominent organizations and clubs. And so it's been a, it's been a journey. It's been a journey. Yeah. I'm into my 15th year doing this. So it's, 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 it's been great, man. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's really nice to be here. So thanks for having me. No, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Now, Celtic was supposed to play in South Korea. It was supposed to be a homecoming of, of sorts for all. Celtic fans had made their way to Seoul and they've been they've been enjoying themselves uh, over there. Now, there is some of them making their way back as I speak. But what happened? Um, how? First of all, Celtic announced it, but there was never a fixture per hour. There was never an official per hour, but they did put a little promo video out. What happened? You know, how did the goalposts change? Why did the game not happen? Yeah, no, I'm kind of glad you asked me that. But at the same time, I know how massively disappointing this is. Um, you know, and from a Korean perspective, this is it's, it's massively disappointing. I can tell you that. Um, so, you know, as far as I know, what happened was um, the agency or the promoter who was supposed to be organizing this tour for Celt- not only Celtic, but for Wolverhampton and for AS Roma as well. So they were they were in charge of um, arranging the, the, these tours for 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 three different clubs. But what happened? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It was just to give a little bit of a background. Um, prior to Celtic's scheduled date for the, for the tour in Korea, this same promoter was supposed to be arranging uh, tours in Korea for Napoli and Mallorca. Uh, two clubs who no longer have Korean players, but at the time they had two very prominent Korean players, uh, Kim Min Jae, who went on to Bayern Munich now, and also Lee Gang In, who, who moved on to PSG. So these are two of the biggest footballers in, 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 in Korea. And the plan was for them to arrange a friendly between those two teams in May, which would have been a really big deal in Korea. It would have been a big game, uh, obviously would have been immensely popular amongst the Korean football fan base, but that didn't go according to plan because they couldn't work out a deal with KFA in terms of arranging the venue, in terms of, you know, the logistics of it. And from what I've been told, the plan for that particular promoter 
was to monetize that tour with Napoli and Mallorca as much as possible to be able to arrange these tours for Celtic, um, Wolverhampton and, and AS Roma. But things didn't really work out for them because the earlier tour for Mallorca and, um, and, and, and Napoli was canceled. So it became logistically impossible for them. And we pretty much ran into a situation where things Things, things became a disaster for for, for this for, for this company. I would be very surprised if they stay in business, to be honest with you. And that's simply because the two players, two huge players in South Korea had moved on. Right, right. And, you know, that's why they were trying to arrange this thing in May, because they were suspecting that these players would move on once the transfer window opens. But when that didn't happen in May, you know, it, it, it pretty much became impossible. And there was no point of trying to rearrange the friendly because the players had already left. Um, so yeah, it became a, it became a big disaster in Korea. Well, it actually became a very big controversy too, because from a Korean football perspective, it's quite embarrassing for things, something like this to happen. You know, five European clubs were supposed to visit Korea. It was canceled because of, um, mismanagement by, by, by a promoter. Yeah, and it's funny, when Ange Postacoglu left Celtic, I was hearing word back from Tokyo that interest had fell off in Celtic's game against Yokohama, even though we are packed with Japanese players. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised. You know, and it's always tough, you know, trying to arrange these, uh, these tours in Asia with, with, with Korean or, or Japanese players or even managers who've been, a, who've, who've been involved in Korean or Japanese football because, the popularity is obviously there, but once that manager or that player leaves the club, it sort of leaves things uncertain. You know what I mean? So it, it, it becomes very, um, it becomes a bit of an awkward situation as well, you know, because when the, when the transfer is just like anywhere else, you know, in, in, in Korean football, you know, the transfer rumors and the news, those become a big deal. And when a, it, when, when a tour is scheduled for a European club with Korean players, you know, there's always a question and concern. Is he going to be at the club when the club actually visit Korea? So that, there's almost a fear now. Um, so yeah, I I'm hoping that this what happened this summer doesn't really jeopardize the relationship between Korean football and Celtic. To be honest with you, because this has been a long-standing relationship between Korea and Celtic. I know there was a little bit of a gap between you know Chaduri and uh, Chaduri and, uh, and 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 Kisongyong, and then Celtic signing Oyungi. I know there was a big gap in in terms of time. But this has been a very long-standing relationship. Celtic have had a very good image in Korea um, in terms of in terms of you know the kind of relationships that they have with 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 many Korean players now. Um, so I you know I hope this is not a situation where that relationship gets gets jeopardized. Yeah, and on that note, we've signed two South Korean players only only the last couple of days. Right, uh, they were unveiled. They were unveiled to us. I, I, Hasty arranged press conference earlier in the week. So I hope I get the names right. Kwan and Yang. Yeah, Kwan Hyokyu and Yang Hyunjun. Uh two of the two two of the up-and-coming players in Korea. It's very interesting because these two players don't really ha- haven't really made a big impact at national team level yet. I mean, they're two of the biggest, you know, rising, rising stars, you know, so to speak, in, in the K-League. So, you know, what's especially interesting about you know, Celtics signing of these, all, you know, all three of these players is that, um, yeah, the fact that these players haven't made a, a, a huge impact at national team level, um, you know, when, when Celtics signed Kisongyo or when Celtics signed Chaduri many years ago, you know, these were two of Korea's top players at the national team level as well. And, you know, on the other hand, we look at a player like 
Oh Hyun-kyu. We look at a player like Yang Hyun-jun. We look at a player like Kwon Hyun-kyu. They haven't really reached that level yet, but I'm not actually trying to put doubt on Celtic signings, but rather I find it pretty impressive that Celtic went and did the extra legwork in terms of, you know, scouting these players um, uh, to, to, to sign them who have very little reputation outside of Korea. But those of us who know the K league, we know how talented these players are, you know? And so for the, 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 the hope for us is that if Oyeonggyu, Yang Yeonjun, and Gwonyeokgyu, if they can do well at Celtic and be successful there, which we believe that they can, um, it'll open up more opportunities for young players in Korea who haven't been given chances to, um, I don't know how to put it, like maybe display their talents outside of the country, can have the have that exposure and have those opportunities to advance their careers on on, on bigger stages. You know, and also I, I think the most important thing is that it gives more incentive for young players in Korea to be motivated to start their careers in the K League because at times, you know, these guys are you know, playing for mismanaged clubs in front of very little crowd in games. You know, it could be very demotivating some of these young players, especially, you know, but to know that there are, you know, big European clubs out there like Celtic scouting the K-League so extensively where they starting to express interest in these younger players, you know, it's, I, I, I hope it becomes a motivating factor for them. And I believe that it will, will be. Is the K-League as strong as the J-League or where's the comparisons are? Can you just give us an insight into the K-League? Because, I would imagine most of the listeners don't know much about it. Yeah, no, sure, sure. Um, well, I think when you ask an average Korean football fan, is the K-League better than the J-League? I think they would definitely tell you yes. Um, you know, but objectively speaking, I would say that they're at a very similar level. Um, but to be completely honest, I do believe that the J-League is a better managed league overall in terms of how players are developed in terms of, you know, clubs having structures where they can, you know, constantly develop talented young players. I don't think the K-League is quite there yet. Um, but the interesting thing about Korean football is that you look at some of our biggest stars, like, you know, obviously Son Heung-min at, 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 at Spurs, or, you know, Kim Min-jae at Bayern Munich now, or Lee Gang-in at, at, at PSG. And some of our biggest players that we've had over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, like Park Ji-sung or players like that, it's very interesting because it's very rare to see a star player out of Korea who've gone through the proper steps of being developed at K-League clubs. When you look at a player like Park Ji-sung, who went on to become a star player at Manchester United, <laughs> he made his professional debut in the second division of Japanese football. And you look at a player like Kim Min-jae, who recently went to Bayern Munich, uh, who's you know one of the biggest players in Korea right now, he made his he made his senior debut in the third division of Korea. So you see a lot of cases in Korea where these individual players simply buck the trend and go on to become stars in Europe. And that that's what's a little different from Japan, I think, because in Japan, you see a lot of players who go through the proper steps, you know, the, 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 the age groups, you know, the youth academy and the J League, things like that. But with Korea, it's a little bit different. We do see players who go through those steps as well. But a lot of these star players in Korea... They're, 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 they're ones who buck the trend to sort of, you know, make, they become these exceptional players and they move on to Europe and they become stars that way. So I, I believe that's a bit of a difference between Japanese players and Korean players. So that tells me that there's a great scouting network in Korea. If these players, I mean, we'll say, you know, noticed outside the bigger clubs 
or ones who haven't come through youth level or youth internationals? Yeah, and it's it's very interesting that you ask that um, because a lot of the complaints amongst the Korean football fan base is that our players have to be seen more. And, you know, a lot of times it, it actually becomes very difficult for Korean players, you know, once they join a K-League to move on to Europe because I almost feel like another big difference between Japan and Korea is, you know, Japanese clubs are quite are quite open to the idea of sending their players to Europe, even though the transfer fee that was offered isn't very satisfactory for them. But for Koreans, it works a little bit differently. Unless they get the transfer fee that they're happy with, it's very rare that Korean clubs will release their players. Um, so it, that, that, that's what, that's what becomes very, um, controversial in Korea sometimes because when a, when a club like Celtic, you know, offers, I don't know, three million pounds for, for, for Oyungu, at, at, at Suwon and Suwon don't want to send that player to Europe because they're not happy with the money. There's always that angry reaction from the fan base as well. And understandably so. And I mean, you know, we're talking about a player like Oyungu, you know, 3 million pounds seem like a decent, decent sum of money to be honest with you. But, you know, in Korea, it's seen a little bit differently where they say, you know, he's a player that we develop. He's our biggest, he's our biggest player. He's just, you know, starting to become a star in Korea, you know, having gone to the world cup things and things of that nature. Um, we feel like we're going to need more money from these clubs. We feel like a big club like Celtic can be able to pay more money for our players. You know, I think that the attitude is a little different from Japanese football. So that's what be- that's what becomes a little bit more difficult for Korean players to go to Europe. But I feel like some of Korea's best players, once they do get their chance to go to Europe, it's 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 very often that we see them just flourish and become and and, and go on to become stars. Doesn't always happen that way, but. You know, that's we, we've we've had cases where it just worked out for our players, which is good for the international team. No doubt about it. And just the fact that when you join a club like Celtic, um, I know in, in, in Korea, there there's always that question of, hey, is the is, 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 is Scotland, you know, they're not the Premier League, blah, blah, blah. But the feeling I get is you get to play in front of what is it? 60,000 people 60, every, every game. And it's. You know, it's it's just a different atmosphere. It's a different pressure. You know, you're under pressure to win every game. You're under pressure to win every 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 tournament that you play, and that's the kind of pressure that you don't have in Korea. You know, you look at a player like Yang Yeonjun playing for for Gangwon, who a club that will likely get relegated this season, or maybe they won't, but they're very close to it at the at the moment. Playing play in front of very little crowd, uh, play and you know just the way the club is managed is actually not up to standards it's incomparable to, to to Celtic so to be in that kind of environment I mean let's put football second for 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 a moment just to be in that kind of environment where you have to play under pressure under positive pressure if that makes sense um I think that's a that's a very big motivating factor for these young players to 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 go on to to players I mean to to teams like Celtic yeah we we expect to win every competition we enter domestically but we also are playing in the Champions League, which is a great opportunity for these young players, even if they're not starting for an experience. Right. Because we are then the underdogs in Europe, because we would not have the... Although we're a massive club and one of the biggest clubs in Europe, we have the history, we have the fan base, and we have fans all around the world. But we cannot compete with money from Saudi Arabia, Qatar, you know... You know we, the Bayern Munich of the world in Germany may find themselves soon not being able to compete with these these clubs either because the money that's coming in 
Like our model is to bring in young players. So it's not surprising for us to see young players coming from Korea who have potential, develop them, and then sell them on at a profit. Now, none of us imagined the money we were going to get for Jota, who was a player who wasn't playing with Benfica when we took him on loan. But we could see there was quality, developed him, signed him, and then sold him at a massive profit. Uh, we've also made money on Ange Postacoglu, who was a manager that came in that nobody knew this side of the world, unless you were a football anorak. So we have to... We've, in, in previous years, we've questioned the board and how the club has been run because we failed to do 10 in a row, which would have been historical. And the, the, let's just say uh, there was uproar, but that was during COVID. Uh, a very disappointing season. But like over the years, you know, we have some players like Virgil van Dijk, who's gone on, you know, to be to Liverpool. Um, Dembele, who's now, I think he's gone out to Saudi Arabia now to be with Steven Gerrard. So we, 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 have, we have a history. So, like, I think the players and maybe their agents can see, look, this is a path to the, the riches of the Premier League or now Saudi Arabia. But it, it's, like, we don't, we don't tend to go out and make marquee signings. We tend to develop them. But don't get me wrong, we'd love a marquee signing, especially with the Champions League coming up. And then next season, the Champions League format changes. So if we win the league this year, we will be playing a tour of our football in Europe which maybe would attract the marquee signings. But I see the game now going as a squad game because there's going to be, there's, there seems to be a, a bigger demand now on, on players. And you, you'll know over in Asia because this new, um, apparently Saudi-backed Saudi World Club Championships, which they, they hope to rival the Champions League, like the money that's going to be involved in that will be huge. And that will be huge for Asian clubs to be playing against the top clubs in Europe. Yeah, and I find it very interesting that you mentioned Saudi Arabia. Um, I didn't think that was going to get brought up in, in our conversation. But what I why, the reason why I find that interesting is because now we're starting to see these big names in Europe going to Saudi Arabia, starting with Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously. But, be, but prior to that, Saudi Arabian clubs actually very actively scouted Korean players. Um, because at the time, they didn't have the kind of budget to sign these players from Europe. But at the same time, they had much bigger budget than a lot of the Korean clubs, if not all of them. And it was very easier for them to scout Korean players compared to Japanese players, because for Japanese clubs, they were more open to sending their players to Japan at a lower transfer fee compared to Korean players. So it became e a little bit easier for Saudi Arabian clubs to go after Korean players who are talented. So we still have a couple of players who still pl who are still playing in Saudi Arabia. So I, I, I find that very interesting. And, you know, you also mentioned the Champions League. Um, yeah, obviously that's great. Uh, you know, these young players who, you know, have, have, who haven't had much international experience in Korea, but had the talent to real talent to really get those chances to be able to join a club like Celtic. I think that's big experience for them. But even outside of that, just the fact that, you know, for Celtic, you know, domestically for these players to have chances to compete for trophies within Scotland, which Oyoung Yu was not doing in Korea. I mean, he was playing for one of the bottom half clubs. Um, Kwon Yuk Yu was obviously he was playing a second division club in Korea when he earned that move to Celtic. Uh, Yang Yunjun, also another player this year, was close to getting relegated in Korea. And for them to go to Scotland, you know, playing in front of sixty thousand fans and competing for trophies in Scotland, whether it's the league or cup competitions, 
it's just a different atmosphere and a perfect environment for them to just grow and 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 develop into the players that that we expect them to be. Yeah, it's funny you use two words that grow and develop, because I I think that's where these players are. I don't think you know, as I said, they're not marquee signings. They probably raised a few eyebrows in Korea mm-hmm. because we were signing, uh, I suppose, younger players. It didn't surprise us because that seems to have been the model we've been using. But for both of them to get into that starting eleven, they will have to work very hard and really impress Brendan Rodgers because you know, under Ange Postacoglu, we had a kind of a, you know, you could name the starting eleven, And the midfield, you know, the midfield is very strong. And up front, you know, Kyogo, you know, Scottish player of the year. O has played second, always played sidekick to him since he came in. So where does the new lad sit beside O? Because he's going to be competing for a, for a starting role up front. Is he a different type of player? Um, in terms of, you know, Yang Enjun, he is indeed a very, very different player. You know, Oyang is more of a traditional forward, more of a traditional number nine, uh, so so to speak. A very talented player, no question about that. But Yang Enjun is a player who, player who plays a little bit deeper compared to him. Um, he can play on both wings, uh, which I believe Oyoungu may be capable of doing it, but he wouldn't be comfortable out wide. But Yang Injun can play through the middle. He can play on both wings. Primarily, he plays off the left, but he can play on the right just as comfortably. Um, so there's a bit of a difference there because Yang Injun is more of a playmaker, whereas Oyoungu is the kind of player who plays inside the box. Um, yeah. With, with Kwon Yuk-Yu, you know, he plays even deeper because he's a bit of a deep-lying midfielder. Uh, a bit closer to Kisong-Yu. Um, if you can remember him, a very similar yep. type of player. Uh, the interesting thing about Kwon Yuk-yu is that he can use both feet. So under pressure, he's very capable of, you know, finding his way out, you know, finding that pass. Um, so from a technical standpoint, you know, Yang Yeonjun and Kwon Yuk-yu, I would say are actually above Oyoungu. But, you know, when it comes to physicality, you know, the make, that making that strong, you know, impact in games, you know, obviously Oyoungu is a player who, and Oyoungu also has more national team experience than both of these players as well. So it's, it's very interesting. But in, in Korea, it's another thing that makes this very interesting is that we've got all these Japanese players at Celtic as well. It's almost like a third of the team is either Japanese or Korean at, at, at Celtic now, which I, which I, which I think is great. It's actually awesome to see. But at the same time, in Korea, there will always be a conversation. Can our players get ahead of Japanese players when it comes to competing for, for, for starting places at Celtic? It's going to be very difficult for, for, for these players. Um, just because, you know, it's a completely new environment for them and it's going to take them time. I think Oyoung Yu is actually still adjusting to life at Celtic, to be honest with you, because he still hasn't had a full season. Um, so, you know, there's a bit of a pressure from them when it comes to that as well, because the pressure for them is, at some point, we're going to have to win our places and be able to compete with these Japanese players at Celtic. I'm sure they're great friends there at the club, but the, from outside looking in, the conversation is, can our players compete with Japanese players and win and win starting places at Celtic? So that's 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 definitely going to be a conversation going forward. How important is it now for O, with the two new lads coming in, like, will, like he'll be a comfort for them coming into a new culture because... You know, Scotland is a completely different culture than South Korea. Glasgow, Glasgow can be can be a tough city at times. It's a great city, but it can be a tough city. And for you know, for people coming from a different culture, I'm sure it's going to be strange at, at first. So they can help each other, like the Japanese boys have. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. You know, I had a, I had an opportunity to speak with Oyoungu towards the end of last season at Celtic. Um, a great opportunity to 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 interview him. One one of the things he told me was. It's not even just 
the culture or the new environment in, in, in Scotland that they have to get used to, it's pretty much everything, you know, in terms of, you know, driving on the other side. That's something that they've never done. Um, in terms of the fact that, because, you know, a lot of these young players in Korea, they, it, you know, when they play in Korea, they live with their family. And, you know, and coming over to a club like Celtic, now Oyoungu is living alone in Glasgow, I believe. Um, so just the fact that his entire lifestyle just changed. He has to cook for himself. He has to do the laundry for himself. All these things are a little different. And all these little things affect his day to day. And, you know, these are the kind of challenges that he had to get adjusted to, or the, based on my conversation with him, that's what he told me. And the fact that he drives to training is different because in Korea, he pretty much lived at the clubhouse. You know, that's what, that's what most of these Korean clubs do. So it's a completely different, different day to day in terms of how they go on and, 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 and do their work, I guess. Um, so that's the challenge. And I'm sure for, for Yang Yeonjun and Kwon it's going to be totally different for them as well. You know, maybe in their cases, they'll have their family here or they'll have their parents or what have you, but, um, it's going to be very different, different for them. Um, it's just like reporting to training, something very simple like that, you know, being stuck in traffic or something, something, the things that you don't normally experience in Korea, they start to affect your day to day when you are playing in Europe in a completely different country, culture and completely, completely different country. So it'll be very interesting. I'm actually very intrigued to see how Yang Yeonjin and Kwon will do because uh, if you would have asked me two, three months ago, I wouldn't even have been able to imagine these guys playing outside of Korea, you know, three months from, from, from then. So yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's exciting, but it's also going to be very interesting to see. Yeah. Because outside, outside of football, you know, Glasgow is a fishbowl. There's two teams, and being second in Glasgow is being last. Winning is everything. You know, it's a divided city. There are other clubs in the city, but, like, they're not in the conversation. So there will be huge outside pressure. And O O came in at a time when Celtic were winning everything. You know, top dogs, three trophies. So he's been... Let's just say he hadn't a great game when he started against Rangers in Ibrox, which is a high-pressure game. But we had, we were in the final of the cup. We'd knocked them out of the semi-finals. We'd won the league cup, and the league was wrapped up. So that's why he probably got his chance. But nobody was on his back. If that was an important game and he hadn't played well, well then he would find the pressure from not just the fans but from the media. The media can be. Um, they want to sell newspapers. Newspaper sales are down, so they tend to they they'll tend to find a villain in each team, and maybe maybe play on that. So that's a, that's an extra pressure they'll have. But hopefully, we'll we'll be dominating again because we feel confident going into the season. Losing Ange was a big thing, but Brendan Rodgers on his return surprised us all. But Brendan is a quality manager and probably more experienced now as he comes back for a second term. And he Ange was a kind of a standoff manager who didn't mix with the team, mm-hmm. whereas Brendan Rodgers will have lunch with him, he'll put his arm around him, he'll man-manage, and he'll show them a bit of love, which which may be what these young players need when they're coming from, you know, places like Korea. Yeah, and you, you, you mentioned pressure. And just to compare that to Korea, you know, let's say a player like Kwon Yuk-gi, who was playing in the second division in Korea for Busan Eye Park, if they lose a, a big game on a Sunday night, Nobody would be talking about it on a Monday morning. So that this is going to be a, a completely different type of pressure. For if Kwon Yuk-gyu has a very poor game against their against 
Busan's rivals in, in, in a K-League game. Nobody would, you know, we will not see any articles in the media criticizing his performance. But so this is going to be a completely different atmosphere. So, you know, and I think it's, this is good pressure for these young players because, you you know, like we like we talked about, you know, growing and developing um, for these players to grow and develop into the kind of, you know, the top level players that we expect them to or we hope for them to. This is the kind of pressure that they're going to have to deal with. And, you know, a pressure of having to win, pressure of having to perform well in big games, these these can all be positive pressure if you can respond to it. And, you know, they I think Oyeonggyu is a little bit different because even though his club in Korea was struggling at the time when he moved to Celtic, it's one of the big clubs in Korea, one of the most popular clubs. So there's some level of pressure there, although it's no Celtic. Um, but for, for Yang Yeonjun and Gonyeokgyu, this is going to be completely different because if they have a poor game, in Celtic, I'm sure the fans and the media will be critical, and that's something that they've never dealt with in their careers. So that's going to be a challenge for them. Yeah, that's interesting. Before I let you go, Steve, uh, I have to ask you about our two former players, Chadu Rhee, and we had uh, Ki Sung Young. Now, I believe Ki Sung Young is still playing in Korea. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah, he's playing for FC Seoul. Are they one of the big clubs? They're one, they're one of the big clubs. Had some struggles over the last a few years, but no doubt they're one of the most popular clubs. He's a, he's already a living legend at the club because he was playing for them before he went to Celtic. And then he played for Celtic. You know, obviously, you know, Kizong Young went on to play for, for, for Swansea. And then he went on to play a little bit for Mallorca as well. But his his wish was always to go back to FC Seoul to, to to finish his career there. And, you know, he's pretty much realizing his dream by doing that. And there's absolutely no doubt that he's one of the biggest club legends. In terms of Chaduri, same as well. He didn't make his professional debut in in, 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 in Korea. So he didn't really have much of the, uh, that relationship with FC Seoul. But, you know, he obviously had a long history in Germany. And then he played at Celtic. Um and then he ended up joining FC Seoul to finish his career there uh, a, a few years ago. And now he's one of the now he's one of the the managers in in, in, in the youth academy. Um, actually, he's also uh, working a little bit for the national team as well under Jurgen Klinsmann because of um, you know Chaduri's familiarity with 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 German football. I think he has he has that partnership with Jurgen Klinsmann, so he's kind of. I would, I, I guess he has two jobs. He's a bit of an, he has a bit of an assistant role at, with the Korean national team. And he's also sort of like a youth academy director for, for, for FC, FC Seoul. So, uh, both of them, it's very interesting. Uh, both Korean players who, who played for Celtic are now pretty much club legends in, at, at FC Seoul in Korea. And, and, uh, they, they, you know, both internationals, like so, and South Korea have, you know, always, you know, they've, since they kind of came on the, the World Cup stage, you know, we, we've got to see them every four years, you know, and they never disappoint. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it, it's very interesting, though, because I think this past World Cup, they were able to get to the last 16, which was a massive, big deal in Korea, you know, because that's the first time they did that in 12 years. But, um, you know, in 2018, especially, you know, everybody outside of Korea were obviously immensely impressed with that win over Germany. And obviously, you know, we were too. It was a very emotional win, no doubt about that. But for us, it was still a massive disappointment that we weren't able to get out of the group. So it's very, the reason why we talk about pressure with Kwonyokyu and Yang Yenjin is because they don't have that longstanding relationship with the national team just yet. So if they would have played at national team level and went on to Celtic, 
it would have been different because they would have been used to that pressure because with the national team in Korea, there's an immense pressure for the players. But because they haven't had that, now they're going to get used to having that kind of pressure at Celtic. And if they perform well at Celtic, I'm sure they're going to get their call to play for Korea as well at national team level. So I hope it sort of creates that synergy for these players to really just go on to flourish for Celtic and for Korean national team as well. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, but it's going to be very exciting. Uh, thank you so much for giving us an insight into South Korean football. It's something we don't get much. And hopefully we'll get you back on again if, if these boys break into the team and, and are starting to do good things. And can you also uh, keep us keep us posted if they, if they do any interviews in in the media over there because sometimes we don't get to see it until weeks or, or, or months after. Um, something will, will surface. Uh, Dan Dan's quite good at look look you know looking after us for, for Japanese news. So if you can do that the same, that would be brilliant. Once again, thanks very much. Uh, best of luck with your career. And hopefully we'll be reading plenty from you. Thank you, Andrew. And definitely I will reach out when I hear something about them or when I when I get to speak with them or or, or whatever it may be, I'll, I'll definitely reach out and then keep you in the loop. That is absolutely brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Folks, thank you very much for tuning in. I think Steve was a great guest. It's, it's our first guest from South Korea. And it was great to get an insight into the K-League uh, the players who have left us over the years are new players and very interesting to, you know, to find where they've come from and fair play to Celtic for uh, having the balls to invest in these young players and hopefully we'll get to see them in the first team making an impact and also if we if we do sell them on the club the, the club will make a profit on them because uh, after the Jota move anything is possible uh, it's the football just the money in football now has just gone bloody mental so folks uh it's a busy week for Celtic. James Forrest testimonial. Some people are anti-testimonial. They don't believe players who earn so much money deserve them. But I think for De- James's service, he deserves everything he gets. And there's two charities going to make plenty of money out of it. So I'm looking forward to the game. I'll be there. Uh, and I'll also be there on Flag Day on Saturday when that flag and the Champions flag is raised again. So uh, exciting times for Celtic. Looking forward to the start of the season. Uh, under Brendan Rodgers, the second coming. So, folks, uh, all I can say is thanks very much for listening. And if you want to support us, we've said before, we don't bang behind the paywall. You can buy a fanzine at CelticFanzine.com and you can also pick up some merchandise, T-shirts, and subscribe to the magazine. You'll never miss a copy. You'll get the digital edition every month in your inbox and you'll also get the print edition in your letterbox. And we'll also give you a free T-shirt if you subscribe. So we can't say fairer than that. I'll see some of you in Glasgow. If I don't see you in Glasgow... Wherever you're watching Celtic around the world, stay safe, keep the faith, and hail, hail.
deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.